You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Go to riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. All right, so the kids are heading off to Kids Church, and we're handing you all a booklet we're going to go through today. And as they pass that out, we'll watch introductory video. Only one offers forgiveness in this life. Only one offers an eternity based on faith, not works. Only one offers respect and dignity to all human life. Only one offers a completed sacrifice. Only one claims God understands our weaknesses, sorrows, and temptations because He experienced them and overcame them. Only one boasts of an empty grave. Only one continues to grow despite worldwide persecution and martyrdom. The only faith grounded in reality and secure in truth is faith in Jesus Christ. like sheep have gone astray. All have sinned, all have fallen short, all are lost. The wages, the consequence of sin is death, eternal separation from God. But God demonstrates his love toward us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Since we have been made right through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what are we going to do here for the next five weeks? We are going to get back to the basics, the basics of our Christian faith. In 1961, the Packers, yes, I'm sorry, I have to talk about the Packers for a minute. In 1961, Vince Lombardi, the coach of the Packers, showed up to start off the season by saying those, those five words, that, those words that uh, he is well known for. Gentlemen, this is a football, getting back to the basics, getting back to the fundamentals, because that's where success starts. A lot of people say to me, are you a non-denominational church? It's like, well, we're like a, non, we're like a non-denominational church, but we're part of a family, part of a group called the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And everybody's like, oh, what is that? And I'm like, oh, we're connected to Crown College. And they're like, oh, I've heard of that. That's a good school. So anyway, uh, if you were to go to Bible quizzing and go to other churches, you'd often see a banner uh, hanging somewhere, maybe a logo on the church sign or whatever that looks like what you see on the screen there, uh, the cross, the, the lover, the pitcher, the crown. And so what that is, is it's a logo that signifies the core values of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, which are Jesus Christ, our Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and Coming King. And then uh, the world around it is completing His commission, His great commission. So we want to focus on um, the basics. We want to focus on the importance of, not just this logo, the importance of our faith because we are called to be ambassadors for Christ 
ministers of reconciliation. God has put us in the world to help that person that sits next to you at work or in school or in your neighborhood to help lead them to Christ. You just watched a video that showed all these other uh, different religions and different thoughts and all these different things that people are confused about. And God has put you in the world to help people find their way to Jesus, to help you to be the bridge to life, to help you to be used to help people to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Christ is the Savior we need. So I was reading about how corporate trainers often will go into a corporation and train the people, and often they will give them packets of information that basically says what they're going to say. And they're going to go over the packet of information so that what they said just doesn't get lost in the wind. And so this is a book, actually, that you could purchase, but it only comes in PDF off of Christian book distributors uh, called Knowing Jesus. And I called the National Office of the Christian and Missionary Alliance and got permission, I have to say that slow, of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Some people think I said something about lions, and there's no lions there. Anyway, to reprint this for you. So I've got five weeks' worth. I killed a tree for you people yesterday. I've got stacks of paper. My wife was stapling them together. But I'm so excited for the opportunity that we have to get down to the basics because I think it will build your faith and make you more effective at reaching lost people. But I do care that, that I'm doing the job in Ephesians 4.11, a pastor is supposed to do, to equip you to be effective in ministry, to equip you to go out there and change the world. That would make me very happy to hear how you are changing the world. Uh, everybody seems to have troubles in life. I have troubles in life. You have troubles in life. Yesterday, I sold the Ministry Center TV to somebody. It was a 2007 plasma TV, and the problem we had with it is it didn't easily connect to people's phones and have the technology we wanted. So I sold it to somebody, talking to this retired guy. His wife died in November, and he's sad. He had some problems with his adult kids. So much sadness. We prayed together, and everybody's got struggles. Everybody's got sadness, and I promise you that just because you come into a right relationship with Jesus Christ doesn't mean all your problems are gone, but it does mean that you will have hope and truth and life and forgiveness from sin, and Jesus Christ came into the world to take care of that, to cover that, to restore what was lost, the relationship that was broken when Adam and Eve sinned, to restore our sinful condition, make us right with God in Luke 19.10 says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost, Luke 19.10. And we need to be saved. In your booklet here, it says, have you ever saved something or someone? It may have been a small, it may have been as small as preventing a dish from falling off a table or as significant as rescuing a drowning person in deep water. Have you ever been saved? The Bible uses several definitions for salvation. The primary Greek word for save in the New Testament refers to a person being delivered from danger, from suffering or sickness, but the most important use of the word describes salvation from our sins. Sin is anything we do that is against God's instructions in the Bible. We're all sinners, Romans 3.23. Unless we are saved, our sins will earn us an eternal death in hell and keep us from eternal life and peace with our God. The Bible says the agent of this salvation is Jesus Christ. He paid the price for our sins with his death on the cross. His riches and righteousness are applied to everyone who believes in him in this event that took place in Jerusalem two millennia ago. The Bible is a story, a drama of the lost being found, the dead living again, the orphan being adopted, all made possible because of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. So everyone has sinned. I have sinned, you have sinned, we have all sinned. And we need forgiveness from that sin. We need to have that sin taken care of. We could try to buy our way out of sin, but no amount of money could cover 
our sin. We could try to work our way out of sin, but no amount of works could make us right in God's eyes because all of our works are like filthy rags in His eyes compared to what Jesus has done. So Jesus is our Savior. We need Jesus. So the first symbol that we're looking at is the cross. The symbol of the cross. In the Old Testament, it says anyone who is hung is cursed in the sight of God. And Galatians 3.13 says, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When He was hung on the cross, He took upon Himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the Scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. And Jesus Christ was on a cross. So we wear it as jewelry. We wear it to show our faith in Christ. Many people just wear it to wear it. I mean, I'm pretty sure that some of these people with cross tattoos on their arms aren't living all out for Christ. They're like, hey, I think a cross would be cool. And it's like, dude, you've got a cross on your arm, but it doesn't appear you're living for Jesus at all. So maybe they're confused. Maybe it's the part of their uh, Christian life where uh, they need to work on their sanctification, which we'll talk about next time. But our cross is empty. Our cross is just a cross. Uh, Christ is not on this cross. It's not a crucifix because Jesus is not on the cross. Jesus died on the cross and He rose again. And the cross is a remembrance of what He has done. But our Lord and Savior is no longer on the cross. So He rose from the dead and He is alive, ever living for us to have a personal relationship with, to be actively involved in our lives. His Holy Spirit helps us and empowers us and helps us to accomplish great things. But Jesus Christ is our Savior. Jesus Christ uh, is represented by the cross. Christianity is represented by the cross. In your, uh, on page 11, by purchasing our salvation through the shedding of His blood and dying as a sacrifice for our sins, the sinless Jesus changed the cross's image. It now represents a new beginning for mankind and a new covenant or agreement with God. Today the cross reminds us of His death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the new life He's guaranteed for all who accept His salvation. So I won't be able to read everything in here, so you'll have to read some of it on your own. But the symbol of the cross is what we're going to talk about knowing Jesus. So Jesus Christ came on a mission. He knew that He was coming to save us. He was going to be born. He was going to live among us. He was going to understand uh, fully what it was like to be a human. And He would then teach us how to live and then die for our sin, live forever, and we will spend eternity with Him. That's what the Bible says. So you can come up with all sorts of different philosophies in life. You can come up with all sorts of ideas. But you've got to figure out what you're going to use for your source of authority, what you're going to use for your map, what you're going to use to uh, decide which choices you're going to make. The world tells you that the Bible is irrelevant, that it's too old, that it's a bunch of stories made up by men. Christians whose lives have been forever changed tell you that the Bible transforms them, the Bible rightly applied gives them power for living, the Bible transforms people, transforms companies, transforms countries. The Bible is huge if people would just get into it, read it, and apply it to their lives. One reason that we are so uh, repetitive about giving out the How to Find God uh, New Testament that we have on the back table there is because it's full of notes that help people to understand how to come into a right relationship with Jesus, how to live a Christian life. Uh, as you go through the New Testament Scriptures, there's often notes that tell you, uh, give you ideas on how to apply these Scriptures to your life. Another great resource is the Life Application Bible. If you're going to buy one, you might want to hold off until October because the third edition of the Life Application Bible is about ready to hit the shelves, so they've updated it. Uh, more notes, uh, made it more uh, updated uh, uh, application parts and everything. So there's a new edition of the Life Application Bible coming out next month. And if you're going to buy one, you'll either get a really great deal on the second edition 
or you'll have the latest in the third edition that's coming out. But Jesus Christ was on a mission. Jesus Christ came to give his life as a ransom for many in Matthew 20, 28. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. And you and I need to serve others. You and I need to use our lives to make a difference in the world. Sometimes it concerns me that the church gets caught up in this idea of serving is ministry. And it's true. Serving is ministry. I mean, if we could build wells, if we could provide clean water, if we could clean stuff up, if we could provide food, all that stuff is awesome. Great way to connect with people, show you care and everything. But our main serving ministry is to help people to find Jesus and grow in their faith. So that other stuff is secondary. So our primary purpose needs to be focusing on the eternal. Uh, That other stuff is temporary. Uh, Food for today, water for today, that's temporary, but it leads to opportunities to talk about eternity. When you're doing that kind of stuff and somebody says, oh, you really care about me, and you say, I care about you so much that I want to tell you how you can have a new relationship with Jesus Christ or what Jesus Christ had done in my life. So Matthew 26, uh, 26 to 28, uh, Jesus says, uh, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. He knew that he was going to be on the cross, that he was going to pour out his blood, that that blood would be the blood necessary for the perfect sacrifice to cover our sins. The blood of lambs wasn't enough. The blood of sacrifices wasn't enough. The blood of Jesus uh, covered our sins. So the Old Testament people, they looked forward in faith and their sins were covered by the blood of Jesus. Today, we look back at what Jesus did and our sins, if we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, are covered by the blood of Jesus. Jesus was on mission. Mark 2.17, Jesus says, I have come not to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Sometimes people have a hard time seeing that they're a sinner, but then if you share Christ with them and uh, proclaim what the Bible says about sin and salvation, sometimes it takes a while for it to sink in. Sometimes it takes a while for them to connect. Sometimes it takes a while for them to understand. But if you keep praying, you keep sharing, you keep introducing your friends to other Christians, eventually it will sink in and they hopefully will understand their need for Christ. Luke 24, uh, 46, there is forgiveness, or 47, there is forgiveness of sin for all who repent. So it says it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. So, I mean, just think about that. In Isaiah, like 700 years before Jesus, it was prophesied, it was foretold what was going to happen, and then it happened. And we have all these prophecies and all these things foretold about what Jesus is going to do in the future at just the right time. But we should hang on to those precious promises because that's pretty exciting. So the Bible tells us to repent. What does repent mean? Does that mean that I have to clean up my life? Does that mean I have to make everything about my life perfect so that Jesus will accept me? But no, what it means is that we need to realize our sinful condition and have a change of heart, a change of mind, uh, ask Jesus to forgive us and to come into our lives and save us and make us the people we, he created us to be. And then our actions start to change. So a change of heart and mind leading to a change in action. Repentance in the Bible literally means, quote, the act of changing one's mind. True biblical repentance goes beyond remorse, regret, or feeling bad about one's sin. It revolves more than merely turning away from sin. The Erdman's Bible Dictionary includes this definition of repentance. In its fullest sense, it is a term for a complete change of orientation 
involving a judgment upon the past and a deliberate redirection for the, for the future. When Jesus preached his first message, it was repent. And we need to repent. It's not just saying a prayer. Now, I like to help people to say a prayer, to come into a right relationship with Jesus Christ because it indicates their intent. But some people think that if they say, I said the prayer, I must be saved, but it's not magic words. It's not just going through the motions. It's, uh, I truly desire, I'm communicating to Jesus that I want to be forgiven of sin, that I want Him in my life, that I want to change the way that I am. Life's not working out for me. I want to follow after Him. We need to teach people, to guide people, to help people repent. So, all right, <clears throat> one of the best ways to get into a conversation and start talking about Jesus, uh, telling people about Jesus, is to share your personal testimony, to share what's going on uh, in your life. And one of the ways to do that is to share what your life was like without Jesus and then how you came to faith in Jesus and what your life has been like with Jesus. So life without Jesus, coming to faith in Jesus, and then life since you've gotten saved, life with Jesus. So Matthew 5 says, Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. So you need to be ready to share your testimony. And in this worksheet here, it gives you some space to figure out uh, how to share your testimony. And actually, in the New Believers New Testament, there's a couple spaces or a couple places there that it talks about that. On a, page A41 in the New Believers New Testament, that's got a, a section called Share Your Faith and tells you that you don't need to uh, do a whole lot to be ready to share your faith. Just talk about what you've known and experienced. Uh, and then on page 163, it talks, gives you some ideas on how to share your testimony. So those in the New Believers New Testament that you can pick up for free on the back table. If for some reason there's not enough on the table, there's more in the cabinet. And if there's not more in the cabinet, I have a whole bookshelf full of New Testaments just ready to be given away. So, A.B. Simpson is the founder of this group called the Christian and Missionary Alliance. I don't think he ever intended to start a movement or intended to start a denomination. He was just faithful in serving God, and great things happened. Uh, he is quoted as saying, Salvation comes by accepting Jesus Christ as the Savior. This does not mean merely crying out for Him to save, but claiming Him as the Savior, embracing the promises He has given, and so believing that He is our personal Redeemer. So in the Christian and Missionary Alliance, we are not Simpsonites. We don't hold on to every word he's ever said, like he's the Savior, Jesus is the Savior. He was just a willing servant that wrote a bunch of stuff, he and A.W. Tozer and some other guys in the Christian and Missionary Alliance that still is around today, that is helpful, that is encouraging, that helps us to live a deeper life in Christ. So um, again, I think he died 100 years ago this year. So, But anyway... Significant. Wouldn't it be cool if your works for the Lord were still being remembered and talked about today? Maybe one way to do that is to start writing stuff. So, Billy Graham said, It would be the greatest tragedy if I didn't tell you that unless you repent of your sins and receive Christ as your Savior, you are going to be lost. He made peace with God by his death on the cross. If we turn our back on him and don't commit our lives to him, we will have no hope in the future. So another man that was faithful in proclaiming Christ all the days of his life. So I don't think he ever intended to be the great evangelist that he was. He was just faithful in serving the Lord, and God blessed him. Number three, knowing you are secure in Jesus, our Savior. Being secure in Jesus, our Savior, is one of the most important things that we need. We need to know where we are in the spectrum of things. We need to know where we are when it comes to faith in Christ. Are we in? Are we on the team? Are we part of 
uh, God's family? Because if we are, and we're secure in our faith, then we're going to want to share that faith with others. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I didn't mean to cause a worksheet crisis there, by the way. I should have mentioned. I don't think that's in your worksheet. I added that in. So, yeah, I'm going to give them my edited copy because I'm sure that I've made it better. But nonetheless, do you know, have you confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Does the Holy Spirit bear testimony in your heart that you're truly a child of God? Answered prayer is often a sign that you're in Christ. A heart for the lost, a desire to read God's Word, a desire to be around other Christians are all signs that you're truly in Christ. Favorite verse ever, say it all the time, like a broken record, don't really care. Uh, This is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So, the Bible, given under inspiration by the Holy Spirit, had John write this, so there must be a way to know that we have eternal life. If I know that I have a certain amount of money in my bank account, then I'm going to go to places and I'm going to be able to spend this with confidence. I'm going to say, I, I want that, I want to do this, I want to give that, I want all, because I know with confidence that I've got it in, the, in my bank account. So if I spend my life today in a certain way, and I know that I have eternal life, with confidence I'm going to say, I'm going to do this, not going to do that. I'm going to focus on this, not going to do that. I'm going to enjoy this, but I'm not going to enjoy that. Got the rest of eternity to enjoy that. Got to stay focused on Christ. I only have so many years of my life left to go. I know I have eternal life. I know I'm secure in Christ. So I'm going to take these risks and I'm going to live for Jesus. And so many days, it's like that is so easy to do. In other days, it is not. So it's like storm clouds in your life and you're like, oh, I'm nothing. But I think that spiritual warfare and we should know that we know based on what God's Word says and if we trust it and believe it and live it, it will make an eternal difference in the world. C.S. Lewis wrote, as in arithmetic, there's only one right answer to a sum and all other answers are wrong, but some of the wrong answers are much nearer to being right than others. Uh, there are so many counterfeits out there that seem so close to godliness, so close to faith. It's like, well, yeah, you know, uh, Jesus came and we like Jesus and stuff, but we like this other guy too, or we like this other God, or we should serve this. And, you know, we should just say, well, don't be exclusive. People's feelings get hurt. Yeah, Jesus said he's the only way, but, you know, there's probably lots of different ways. So if you're this, if you're Muslim, if you're, if you're Hindu, you know, it's, it's all good, you know, just... Just do the best you can at, at pursuing God. But Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. So, actually, that's the next verse. Jesus told him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. One way. Jesus is the only way. That's what the Word says, and that's what we are basing our faith upon. So you say that in the culture, and people will talk about you. They'll say you're, you're being bigoted, that it's so wrong that you do that. How can you tell someone that their faith is wrong? Well, doesn't match up with scripture. So Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord.
Do you know that you're secure in Christ? Do you know that your sins are forgiven? Do you know that you have received the free gift of God through Jesus Christ our Lord? So when we come to Christ, that means that we are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. When we come into Christ, when we come into a relationship with Christ, we change. Hopefully, we change from the inside out. Hopefully, our heart changes, our mind changes, the way we live changes. Our friends might say, dude, what happened to you? You're like a religious fanatic. And you'd be like, uh, well, no, actually, Christ is in my life, and I'm serving Him, and it's really awesome. You should try it. Colossians 1.20, Through Him, God reconciled everything to Himself and made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Christ on the cross is the thing that makes our faith powerful. It is the thing that makes our faith secure. It's all about Jesus. So, 1 Timothy 1.15 and 1 Peter 1.18. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. Is that how your testimony starts? It's like, Jesus saved me, but I was really bad. So please don't go out there and try to build the testimony and say, well, I'm going through a stage in my life of being really bad so I can tell people for the rest of my life how Christ changed me, because that's just stupid. So, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors, and it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus has covered our sin if we have placed our faith in him. So, um, Jesus says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. We are secure. If we have truly placed our faith in Christ, there's nothing that can snatch us away. There's nothing that can take us away. So, that is a great, precious promise for us to follow. We all know John 3.16, or at least I hope we do. I hope we have it memorized, because... It is the miniature gospel that this is how God, God loved the world, or maybe you memorize it, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There's no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And if you jump down to John 3:36, it says, anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life, Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remain under God's angry judgment. I fear there's a bunch of people holding on to John 3.16 and they're not looking at the rest of it. So it's like, God does love the world, God does care, but He provided Jesus Christ as the way to be saved, as the way to be made right with Him, and we need to receive Jesus Christ. Uh, For a longer version of the Gospel, you can see 1 Corinthians uh, 15. So, all right, then there are some I am's of Jesus, and we're almost out of time, and actually the men's Bible study is focusing more on depth of the I am's of Jesus, but some of the I am's of Jesus are comforting and life-transforming. So we have, um, I am the bread of life, Jesus says. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And so Jesus had just fed 5,000, and some people are like, hey, let's follow this guy because he provides free lunch. If he can do this, just think of all the other things that he could do. But Jesus says, I give, I feel spiritual hunger. I nourish, I energize, I sustain, I, sustain, I, give, I give life to the world. So he's like, don't just follow me because I fed you lunch. Follow me because I give eternal life. I give provision. I, give, I fill that spiritual hunger and thirst in your life. 
Jesus spoke to the people once more, said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to light. I'm sorry, we'll have the light that leads to life. So when we think about darkness, we think about uh, that time that's coming very soon when it'll start to get dark like at 4.30 and sometimes it is just so dark you can't see anything. Uh, I really like it when it's dark, but uh, you know the stars are shining and the moon's shining and yeah, it's, it's dark, but it's really not that dark because everything's lit up. You can still see, you still feel safe. It's like, oh, I can see what's going on. Um, other times when you're like in total darkness, you're like disoriented. You don't know where you are. I don't even know where I am in my own garage when it's dark. So I have to let my dogs out the one door of my garage, through the garage, and out the back door. And sometimes the light turns itself off, the, the automatic light in the garage door, and I'm sitting there in like total darkness. Can't see a thing. It's like, this is my garage, you know? I think I know my way around, but I'm like, where am I? And there's this little light on the garage door opener, this little tiny light on the button. And I'm like looking, I'm heading, I can't see anything, but I'm like heading for the light. Don't trip over the car. You know, this is the wall, don't trip on the dog, it's, uh, you've got to get to there, okay, I think this is the door. You know, I've only lived there for like almost 20 years, and you think I'd know my way around in the dark. I had a friend who was blind, he actually knew his way around in the dark, uh, he counted steps, he could hear his feet, uh, his uh, sounds bouncing off of walls, but Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness, Jesus is the light of the world that helps us to see what's going on, helps us to understand, illuminates the way that we should live helps us to find our way. You and I need to follow after that light. Look to the light of Jesus. Share the light of Jesus. Be the light of Jesus. I am, he explained to them, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. Or in another Bible translation, the door. So Jesus is the good shepherd and there's a gate, a door. He lets the sheep in, he lets the sheep out. He keeps the wolves and the thieves out. He is the one that opens the door. If you want to come in and be with Jesus, uh, he is the one that... Uh, is the door. Actually, some of the shepherds actually would lay, instead of having a door, they would like lay in the entrance to keep the sheep in and the wolves out. Uh, Jesus says, I am the gate for the sheep. Uh, Jesus, after uh, Lazarus, or about before, let's see, Jesus told Martha before Lazarus was about to be brought back from the dead, uh, in John eleven twenty five, Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Do you believe this? So Jesus is the way to eternal life. Jesus is the way to, um, to help us to get to heaven, to help us to have that confidence. He is, next one, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, but to me. He's the way to live. He's the way to heaven. He's the truth to rely on. He is the truth to make life right, the truth to help us make right life choices. Uh, he is the life, a quality of life, and eternal life. And then finally, he is the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So when you're abiding in Christ, when you're walking with Christ, your prayers are getting answered, you're, you're, there's fruit in your life, uh, fruit of people being saved, fruit of right living, a fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All those things are happening because you are walking with Christ, remaining in Christ. In your booklet, there's two prayers that they have. One, a prayer for salvation, and then a prayer, a praise for salvation. Um, I'm not going to read it word for word, but if you come into this place and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, first thing you need to realize and acknowledge is that you are a sinner. A sinner is doing anything outside of God's Word. 
uh, outside of God's will. And two, that Jesus Christ made it possible for your sins to be forgiven, but you need to repent and place your faith in him. And uh, by doing that, I prayed a prayer, something like, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Please come into my life and save me. Make me the person you created me to be. I want to follow you. And when I did that, it started a whole new relationship. So I was I received the Holy Spirit. That happens as soon as you get saved. I uh, was assured of heaven. The Holy Spirit helped me understand Scripture. Uh, I was adopted as a child of God. If you look in the Bible, all these things happen when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if that has happened to you, why would you want to keep that to yourself? If that has happened to you, why wouldn't you want to share that with others? And then there's a praise for salvation that you can look at in your booklet. So... Uh, it ends with, may my words and lifestyle tell and show that you are able to save and keep and satisfy my soul. So with that, I'm out of time, and uh, I think we covered most of it, so probably talk too fast like usual, but it's okay. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you have given us resources, that you've given us your word, that you've given us people that have gone before us, that have struggled with their faith and written about it and have been inspired and motivated by your spirit and taken risks and made a difference in the world through missions, through sharing their faith with people locally and across the world, and um, just growing in the deeper life that they wrote about it, that we can grow in that, that we can keep growing and knowing. Lord, I pray you'd help us to grow deeper in you. I pray that you would help us to be motivated to share you with others. Lord, I pray that your Spirit would empower us and help us to make these remaining days we have of life to count and be eternally significant. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We invite you to visit River Rock Church 10 a.m. Sundays at 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. You can connect with us, find resources to help you grow in your faith, give online to support this ministry, and share your prayer requests with us at riverrockchurch.com. May God bless you. Share Jesus with others this week.